Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Imprisoned by the Soviets, orphaned by the Holocaust, elected prime minister, crowned peacemaker by the Nobel Peace Prize, Committee, disgraced by the Lebanon War, Menachem Begin was a pillar of the state of Israel and a tireless fighter for the Jewish people. He was at the same time a controversial figure. His life is a nuanced and complicated canvas that tells the story of the key events in the history of modern Israel and its relationship to its Middle East neighbors. The film is called Upheaval, and we're joined today by the director as well as the producer of this documentary film. And that would be Jonathan Gruber. Jonathan, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you being here. This film really is wonderful in, in the way that you give context to his life and to the times that, that he grew up in. Uh, what inspired you to do this documentary film about Menachem Begin? So I was brought on. The inspiration really comes from our executive producer, Rob Schwartz. He had read a book called The Prime Ministers by Yehuda Avner and talks about four Israeli prime ministers. And Begin was the one that Rob really was taken by and wanted, wanted to see more, wanted to see a documentary. And there were no documentaries uh, out there at the time. And so his vision or passion was to tell that story. And so that was about three years ago. We met about two years ago, a little, little more than that. And he brought me on and I was grateful to, to tell the story. I didn't really know much more about Begin aside from his making peace with Almar Sadat in Egypt. And so this was, it was all a revelation for me. The film is told uh, with a number of people who were confidants, advisors, friends, foes, but in much of it is told in his own words. T talk a, a little bit about putting it together, the pieces of this, uh, of, of upheaval, and why you chose to go this route where he often is speaking for himself on in the part in terms of telling his story. It's it's best to have someone telling their own story. And uh and we were grateful to uh to have the excellent partnership of the Menachem Begin Heritage Center in, in Jerusalem, which is basically their equivalent of a presidential library. And so they connected us with a lot of this material. We still had to go and license it, but at least they had access to it and can point us in that in that direction. Those are the kinds of films I make. I, I don't really like to have narration in any of my films. So it's, you know, with the interviews of other people or with news reports or, you know, other, anything but narration, basically. And so having Menachem Begin in these, I think, three main interviews that we had of him, maybe there's a fourth one in this old documentary. You know, we're lucky to have it. And, you know, as I'm getting it, I'm like, oh, do I have enough? Can I steal from this one and steal from that one so we could tell the story? But we, we were able to make it work. Well, I alluded to some of the um, major aspects of Menachem Begin's life uh, in the introduction. Imprisoned by the Soviets, orphaned by the Holocaust. Talk about him in as general or as specific terms as you feel comfortable to sort of give our audience who will maybe not know anything more about him than he might that he was a leader in in the state of Israel. Sure. Well, the title. Uh, really talks about his life. The title of the film, Upheaval, uh, refers actually to the translation of the Hebrew word mahapach, 
which is what the announcer, the TV news announcer said when Menachem Begin was finally elected after nearly 30 years in the opposition. He said, Yesh ma'apach, this is a, an upheaval. People translate it in different ways, but for me, upheaval uh, represented his life. I mean, he started in, grew up in a town called Brest, uh, which is now in Belarus, but was in Poland at the time and faced uh, a lot of anti-Semitism growing up. And then uh, as a teenager or a little, little bit older, uh, World War II started, and then he and his, uh, his new bride were on the run, uh, running from the Nazis. They had to split up because he was arrested by the Soviets and sent to Siberia in a work camp, and she went off to Palestine. And his family was killed in World War II. He wound up after the Nazis went uh, and attacked the Soviet Union, what was a, a partnership between the Russians, uh, this, between the Soviets and the Nazis. The Nazis uh, kind of, you know, went against that. And then the Russians needed people to fight the Nazis. And so he got out of this work camp and then was able to march all the way with this troop called Andrew's army all the way to Palestine. So he got his own sort of one way paid ticket to where he wanted to go. And then he fought against the British in the pre-state pre militia. Uh, he fought against the Arabs fighting for the, for the independence of the state. He fought against David Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister, with uh, in many of their uh, opinions were, were divergent. He fought against David Ben-Gurion uh, specifically on with a boat called the Altalena, which was trying to bring in um, weapons into Israel to fight for the state, and then eventually was elected. And then, I mean, there's so much upheaval in his life. I'm just... That was just the first part of it, even before he became prime minister. So it felt like it was an appropriate title. And that part of his life and that the part of history that I was completely unaware of, which was the journey of him as a soldier from southern Russia or Belarus into Palestine, into Israel, that 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 track was completely unfamiliar with that in terms of a military or a political historic event. So that was enlightening for me, which is another whole discussion, which I would, I don't know if we'll have time or if it's appropriate to this particular conversation, but the history of the Soviet and Russian Jewry in terms of that period of time, and also the impact that it continues to have on the state of Israel, to me is utterly fascinating. Is that a fair statement? Well, in terms of the uh, the number of Jews that eventually emigrated out of the Soviet yeah. Union, and Israel. also and also the ongoing political influence that that particular segment of Israeli society is having now on the politics of Israel as well. Yeah, I mean, when you have, I think the numbers are. I mean, this is just to Begin was you know agitated for the for. Uh, Soviet refuseniks, people who the Soviet Union was not allowing to get out. The the main one, I don't want to say the main one, but a very well-known one was Anatoly or Natan Sharansky. And he, his wife, Avital, was really working for, for over a decade to try and get him out. And Menachem Begin befriended Avital Sharansky, paid out of his personal coffers for their her large phone bill, you know, every month in the 70s when that was, uh, you know, she, Avital was calling all these world leaders. And eventually he, and I think, I'm, I'm not sure of the number, but a million or so Soviet uh, Soviet Jews emigrated to, to Israel. And I mean, that changed the, I mean, it's a population now of 9 million people. So, you know, that was, it was even less then. So it's a huge uh, influence on everything, you know, on every aspect of society in Israel.
it's just a fascinating part of the history of Israel. And also, let's talk about Menachem Begin in terms of his his outlook on uniting people from the um, diaspora of, of, of the Jewish people from Northern Africa. From Talk about his philosophy of the state of Israel. And you went. You mentioned Ben Gurion and their battles over the the uh, the future of the state of Israel. One of them had to do with whether or not Israel was to be a secular state or to be something different than that. That's another part of the story which I was not as familiar with. Thankfully, I got to find out more about it in the film Upheaval. But there there are a lot of fascinating kind of cross currents of of things that are in this film that I wasn't aware of and. Um, thank you for that. But t- talk a little bit about this sort of philo- philosophically speaking, the difference between Ben-Gurion and Menachem Begin in how Israel was going to develop as a society. Well, one of the things, Ben-Gurion was uh, the head of the Labor Party, and the, the state of Israel ostensibly was founded by Jews of European descent, Ashkenazim. And there were you know, hundreds of thousands, there were many, many Jews of Middle Eastern and North African descent, the Sephardim or the Mizrahim, who were really on the outs. You know, they were not part of the, uh, not, a, not, not even the political elite, but they weren't even part of the political process. And when they came to Israel, some of them who were doctors or engineers or really had careers in countries like Morocco or uh, Iraq, they came to Israel and they were just thrown into these what they called development towns in the middle of the desert. And all of a sudden they were living in tents and it was horrific. And there was just awful discrimination against these Jews. And that's something that I learned in, in the course of making this film. Menachem Begin felt that this was unacceptable, that, that all Jews should be treated um, equally and with dignity. And that was part of his, ultimately his political base, sort of the underclass of Israeli society. And that when he was elected, through no small part, through these votes, these Sephardic uh, votes, he put money into into building up these development towns, something called Project Renewal. The uh, at the very end of the film, there's a song that was written by uh, Rem Bashari. It's not a, a he recorded the song. It's an old song called Sion Tamati. But Rem was learned music lessons in one of these development towns. That was the music lessons were paid for by government funds that Menachem Begin you know, started. So, um, the, the, and that was, the, that was one of the main differences between, you know, Ben-Gurion, who, uh, who came from labor and the sort of Ashkenazi European elite, and Begin, even though he was from Poland, but he really empathized or sympathized with, um, with the underclass of Israel. Another thing that, that's in the film that we talk about is the attitude that Ben-Gurion and the Labor Party had towards reparations from, uh, from Germany in that Germany wanted to pay, uh, I forgot, there's one long German word, they're not very good with contractions. I can't even remember, but it means to make whole again. And pragmatically, you know, Ben-Gurion felt if there's money coming, we're we're a very poor country, people, I mean, food was rationed, that if we are gonna get money and material from Germany, that'll help build our country up. But Menachem Begin, whose family was wiped out in the Holocaust, who lived with the Holocaust every day of his life said, we can't do this. This is unacceptable. This is, this is abhorrent. He was in the opposition. He was in the minority. He lost, but that was another thing where they came to loggerheads. I mean, even to the point where Begin was, had caused riots outside of the Knesset, outside of the parliament. And he was banned from the parliament for three months 
because of his inciting a riot uh, outside the Knesset. There were, so it seemed that Ben-Gurion and Begin had, you know, they were really political rivals and Ben-Gurion really got the best of him for 30 years. But ultimately, Begin became prime minister. And in some ways, you could say that his legacy is still today and that the Likud party and, you know, really Israel has, has definitely turned to the right. For the most part, since uh, since Begin has been uh, since Begin was prime minister, you anticipated my my question uh, in terms of what is his legacy, and I believe if I'm not uh, mistaken, but I believe that uh, Netanyahu is uh, from the Likud party. Am mm-hmm. I corrected in that? Yes. And and I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of speculation, but as we are talking today we are finding ourselves again in a situation where, and this is something that's in the film, the development of the West Bank and Gaza, the relationship between the Palestinians and the Israelis is now forefront in, in, our, in the news. And curious if it's something you want to do, speculating if Menachem Begin were alive today, would he, how would he be dealing with what uh, the situation that we are seeing play out today. So there's one thing. There's actually a quote uh, that he says, and I, I think this is you know talking about um, what would happen in the Lebanon War. He said, "If an enemy of our people says he seeks to destroy us, believe him. Don't doubt him for a moment." So I think that his experience in the Holocaust and lots of death and destruction for Jews forged him to to be you know listen. We've got to look out for ourselves. We're the only ones who are going to take care of ourselves. So in terms of the situation, it's, it's hard for me to say what he would think, but he certainly would be on the forefront of defending Jews in the state of Israel. In terms of the settlements, um, he expanded the settlements. I mean, I think that's part of, you know, part of this film that we did is that we're not shying away from things that he did that are controversial. They started with the labor government, but he expanded them tremendously. And it's, you know, certainly it's, it's something that is problematic. But he felt that this was the ancient uh, homeland of the Jewish people. He also felt that there was a place for Arabs uh, and Jews to live together in the West Bank, or what he called Judea and Samaria. What's happening today is something, you know, it's so hard to speculate about how he would have gone about things, you know, had he been alive to, to, to do so or, or in power. But he, he left. He left power. I think it speaks to him as a leader that he decided to leave being in charge when he yeah. felt that it, he wasn't able to to serve his people anymore after the the disaster of the Lebanon war. And I think it's a lesson that many leaders today, they cling to power when their time is, it's time to go. And uh, he never enriched himself through his position. He didn't even have enough money to, to buy an apartment in Jerusalem after, after he was done. People put, put his, his uh, people who, who worked with him put together uh, you know, a collection and they got him a place that he could live. I mean, people who, who leave leadership now are usually set up pretty well. Yeah. And I think it speaks to his modesty and to his humility. Um, pretty remarkable guy. Well, he certainly has had a profound effect on Israel and the Middle East in general, relationships with the United States. He was also prime minister at a time when Israel was becoming a more and more of a key player in in the world, in the, on, the, on the big stage of world events. And he's a man of his time, and he's a man who now 
continues, as we said, continues to have an influence on the state of Israel, which he which he loved. And that's the thing that comes across, a man of passion, a man uh, who is also committed to his point of view, his perspective, his spirituality, all of the things that made him who he is. And it's a fascinating film. It's a fascinating portrait of him, his love of his wife, which I thought was a wonderful little part of the film and how he apparently during almost every public event, maybe every public event where he spoke, he would always mention his wife and the importance of that relationship in his life. Yeah, that uh, was beautiful. I'm really, uh, I'm happy that that, uh, that got you because I think it's a, a part that, you know, people think leaders, tough guys, you know, doing whatever, but he was, he was a sensitive person also. And his spirituality also that you mentioned, his, um, as uh, Senator Joe Lieberman, who's in the film said, you know, he, he wasn't used to seeing a, uh, uh, an Israeli leader wearing a yarmulke so much, and he was so comfortable wearing that. Yeah. So yeah, he was connected to his past, and and it's complicated the relationship with Anwar Sadat and and the attempts to bring a measure of reconciliation. Or, and it's in many ways it's held up. The relationship with Egypt, as flawed as it might be, as flawed as any relationship on the international stage may be, seems to have held as well as any in that mm -hmm. region of the world and uh, and all these different elements again i go back to this the the you know the battle with the british the all, there are a lot of things in here that i think will surprise people in terms of their perception of israeli history how the, the state of israel was founded and all of the there's so many different things in here <laughs> that i i think that i i someone who you know thinks i know a few things about the world i live in was uh, surprised to find out, and I'm glad. I'm so glad I did. the The film again is called Upheaval: The Journey of Menachem Begin, and it is coming out on Obrama Rama in terms of the platform. It's coming out on June seventh, and which will be not only will it be a virtual release. Are we also talking brick and mortar theater, or is it just virtual? Well, we'll see down the line. What What's happening June seventh, which is actually the 40th anniversary of the bombing of the Osirak nuclear reactor in Iraq, which was another sort of speaks to the thing where you said, if, you're, if your enemy says, you know, I'm going to kill you, believe them. So that was Saddam Hussein building a nuclear bomb and they flew this really miraculous mission to, to blow it up. I'm sure you remember it. Yes, uh, it threw, and it threw Iraq to get there, which yeah. there's a whole story about how that happened. It's yeah. also only one day off from the anniversary of the Six Day War back in 1967. So literally true. June 6th was the-, the That's true, that's yeah. true. Well, this is the, June 7th will be the 40th anniversary of the Osirak bombing. So it'll be live, Facebook Live, it'll be free. Uh, if people can remember six, seven, eight, June 7th at eight o'clock, that'll East Coast time. So that'll be the film and a Q&A uh, that, we've, that we've done. And, uh, and then June 9th, it'll be in the virtual cinema release uh, that Abramarama has put together. And then people can watch it virtually. The film, again, <laughs> is called Upheaval, The Journey of Menachem Begin. And as I said, you can go to Abramarama, the, 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 um, the film distributor. That's where the site is, upheavalfilm.com. You can also go there. That's a great place to go. And you can also go to the filmschoolradio.com website. I'll have all the information there as well on how to watch it and really kind of a uh, a dive into the life and times of Menachem Begin. And I want to thank you, Jonathan Gruber, so much for being here today on Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Really appreciate it. All your, uh, your good questions also.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.